seated. Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, I love you. I love how you love us. God, I can't imagine what Dave and Ellen going through, loss of their dad. I can't imagine what Alice and her family are going through with the loss of Steve. God, I, I can't imagine what Henry's going through. He's told me how incredibly difficult it is. Thank you that you are a God who sees us. You are a God who feels what we feel. You are a God who's experienced everything we have experienced. You watch your son die on a cross, God. But you knew something that, that we have just, we're just beginning to understand. Death is not the end. God, souls are eternal. And we are going to get to see our loved ones through faith in Christ. We're going to get to see them again. So, God, grant us a vision of what our loved ones are experiencing right now, God. And then comfort us, would you? Comfort us in the midst of our loss, God. Grant us that mustard seed of hope. God, help us put our faith in what your word says. Jesus, you said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even if he or she dies, yet shall he or she live again. Jesus, then you just showed us how that worked. You died for us and you rose from the grave so that we might know him in whom we have believed. So comfort, would you, God? The Walker family, comfort. The Serling family, comfort. The Gromick family in the midst of this struggle. Grant them peace, God. That vision you were giving me last night, just the waves on the seashore. One wave after another, rolling over, waves of peace, waves of mercy, waves of grace, just pouring over us till nothing remains but that pristine sand, that pristine beach, that pristine heart. God, thank you. You are God of miracles. Thank you, God, for the miracles that you've been doing even in these last days and even this moment as, as those 53 women are, are completing this, this journey. I just pray, God, that you would overwhelm them with your presence, that you would speak, God, to your sheep, that you would call them to yourself, that you would, would give them a sense of their calling. And just as you have for us, God, as a congregation, we pray that they might find that perfect place where their greatest joy and the world's greatest need meet. Help us to live from that place, God. Open our hearts and minds to your presence here this morning. Open our hearts and minds to your dreams, your vision 
for the city, to your word that you have spoken. God, as, as we come together, we just thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. We're broken people, God. And the world and our own flesh and the evil one constantly remind us of our brokenness. God, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your commands. We want to rest in your love. So forgive us our sins, Lord God, for they are many. Amen. By the blood of Jesus, wash us of the things that we have done. Wash us of the things that we have left undone. God, cleanse us of the things that have been done to us so that nothing, God, would stand between us and you. And even in these moments, wash over us. Bring to our minds anything in our lives that are not of you. And grant us the courage, God, to loose our white-knuckle grip on them and to offer them to you. Now, thank you. Thank you, God, for new life. Thank you for your word, which says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Oh God, we receive that gift in Jesus' name. God, we offer back to you one voice, the prayer which Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Oh my goodness. Well, what a joy to be with you and to feel your prayers um, this weekend and and then just be drawn in the middle of the night to pray for you and this amazingly challenging circumstances many of you find yourself in. I do want to say that um, that whenever a group of people is together, there's some people in great need, amen? There's some people in great abundance. There's some people that are just in a good place. You don't, don't ever feel guilty or sorry for that. God is good, Amen? Right? And sometimes we're just in a great place and, and, and that's great. That's super. Don't let anybody steal your joy, right? How does, how did Jesus put it in John 10, 10, I think? The thief comes to rob and steal, to kill and destroy, right? But I, Jesus said, am come that you might have life. And have it abundantly. So let's live into that promise, shall we? Today, I want to 
I want to insert a couple more promises into your arsenal too. Because, because when I get to those places where I'm not sure what the future holds, I stand on the promises of God. Well, we're looking today again at this um, this Old Testament passage, and 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 let's be honest. Oftentimes, when we when we um, come before the Lord, we 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 go to His Word. We we go to the very familiar places in, especially in the New Testament. But but God's Word uh, is not really divided. Um, some publisher did that to help you. Um, uh, distinguish different books and different um, different testaments, but God's story is one story, from Genesis one one all the way to Revelation. Right, it's one story. So His words to Jeremiah to the people who were living in exile uh, so long ago. How long was that? Thirty, uh, excuse me, twenty uh, five hundred years ago. Are just as applicable to us today, right? So I want to invite you to think deeply with me about the city, about cities together, and about God's love for the cities. I want you in your mind to step back with me and remember um, the pattern that God had revealed, right? Revelation 7, he shows us a globe. He shows us a world all standing before the throne from every tribe and every tongue and every ethnos, every people group, all worshiping the Lord, right? And it's such a beautiful vision. It is, it is worth living for. It is, it is worth dying for, right? Um, but how do we get to that place? How do we move to that place where every knee is bowing and every tongue is confessing Jesus as Lord? I want to suggest to you that that the word ethnos encompassed every people group that was there at the um, at the uh, throne of grace in Revelation. And you would think that if we're working backwards from that, if we're saying, how do we get there? We'd go back to the nations, right? That, and, and, and God does speak to nations, but nations are ephemeral, right? They're like the, the water brooks in the, in the desert that are there one moment and gone the next. And uh, in California, we call them arroyos, um, in Ajo, Arizona, a little mining town where I was born, we call them wash. Wash, right? Um, you say, why in the world is there this bridge over this desert, right? And then in February, there would be this storm, and the water would rise all the way to the level of the bridge for a moment, and then be gone. Um, nations are ephemeral. Don't put your hope in governments. Don't put your hope in nations. The next unit that the Bible addresses beyond ethnos, right? Ethnicities, people groups, is cities. Is cities. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I struggle sometimes because my imagery of a city is not that good, right? I go back to Genesis. Is it Oh, it's escaping me for a second. Seven or eleven, and and uh, and 
When humanity wanted to make a name for itself, what did it do? It built a city. When Cain sinned against Abel, his brother, what did he do? He went out and built a city. When when everyone wanted to somehow make a name for themselves, they built this strong tower. I didn't hear. Did it? Did the tower go down this morning? Did it in the rain? It went down. Oh my gosh! Did any of you watch it? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! 18-story tower in Evansville, right? When I first came, there was a restaurant in the top floor. What was that called? The Petroleum Club? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you could see for miles from that place, right? And and corporations put their name on that, on that, on these buildings, right? They get the highest building, you put your name on it, right? So interesting to me. Sorry for this excursus, but that I don't think it's nations that you have to worry about. In terms of global powers, it's corporations. I'm a capitalist. Don't don't mistake me for a second. But you're noticing who's making all the decisions for governments these days, right? I can name about three companies, right? And so um, we build towers. We put our names on them. And then just how many years was that? Um, maybe 60 years later. Is it that long? 50 years later, those towers come down. There's only one tower that remains. Do you remember that? The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it. So, so my imagery of a city was always really negative. It was, it was um, it's something bad. That, that so, so, and, and it's kind of reflected in my life. Most of my my life, I've lived in suburbs, right? I I lived in outside the city, uh, in the country. I live I live like one block into the county, out of the city, and um, and 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 so I just thought that's the good thing, right? What's so interesting that the word pagan, you know that word pagan, it means country. <laughs> It means outside the city walls. Cities are so important in the Bible. They're places of refuge, right? They, they are places of safety. They're, they're places of productivity and education. I saw a stat that said that every 10% of a nation that, that, uh, Increases and lives in a city, the productivity, the GMP of that nation goes up 30%, right? And we say, well, great, Dave, don't talk to me about economics, talk to me about the Word of God. Well, what is it that comes down from heaven in Revelation, right? With the tree of life in the center of it, it's not an uncultivated garden, it is a city, it is the new Jerusalem. That comes down from heaven. So, so when God's people disobeyed him, when they dishonored him, and God is just, right? There are consequences, maybe not in our society right now, but there are consequences for sin in God's economy. Um, then God used a wicked nation like he had done uh, a couple of hundred years before uh, for the northern kingdoms. He used Assyria to come down. They completely obliterated ten tribes. Just like Assyria, God used a wicked nation to carry out his judgment on his people. And he took them into exile 
Oh my gosh, this plaintive cry from Psalm 137. The, the cry of the people living in exile. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, our holy city. On the trees there, on the willows there, we hung up our musical instruments. Why? Because our captors wanted us to sing songs, right? Our tormentors wanted us to sing a happy song, they said, right? Sing us one of those happy songs of the, of the city of Zion, right? And the psalmist cried out, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, right? I've got some really bad news. We are not home. This world is not our home. I know I'm I'm speaking in very familiar concepts, but I I want you to think about them again, right? The moment that we begin to think that this world is our home, then we begin to forget the living God, right? Because this is not his home. Big part of the retreat is, is to recognize that the world and our own flesh and the evil one all dominate this world, right? They dominate this world. So what do we put our hope in? We put our hope in the kingdom of God, which is like leaven seeping into this world. And we have a precious friend, just amazing lady that has experienced so much suffering and is one of the most cheerful and brightest and hopeful people. Does she not have problems like, oh, you wouldn't believe the problems that she has. Does she not have family members who still uh, she's praying for and longing? Oh, she, oh, absolutely. The leaven is taken over. The kingdom of God is living in her heart. She's experiencing that. So don't don't confuse this place with our home. It's not our home. It is we are we are living in a foreign land. It is exile. But that's one of the shocking truths. I forgot my notes up in my office, so I'm doing this from memory here. One of the shocking truths of this passage is that God was the one who put us in exile. And if God has put us here, he has some purpose. Don't believe for a moment that it's just punitive. Don't believe for a moment that he just wants to crush you like a bug. There wasn't really a bug there, but I um, don't believe that, right? God is always looking not at where you are or where you have been. He's looking at what you can be in him, right? So this is not punitive, uh, th- this is creative. God is growing in us a heart for his kingdom. And for those of you who, uh, this is a hard truth, God is sovereign. Even when we can't see his purposes for us, God is sovereign. I know I speak very hard truths if you are in a difficult place right now. Right? Um. Hold on, beloved. Hold on until you see what God is doing. So one of the shocking truths is that 
God is the one that placed us in exile. Are you ready for the second one? He said, flourish in exile. Flourish in exile, right? Build houses, right? That takes time, right? That's not, that's not set up a pup tent because you're leaving soon, right? Build houses, plant gardens, right? Those, those gardens aren't going to bear fruit for months at the earliest, in some case trees for years, right? Plant trees, right? Plant trees. Marry. Give your sons and daughters in marriage. Not naming names back there, but um, give your daughters in marriage. Um, flourish in the place where God has planted you, right? The people that he sent there um, would, would die there. They would die there. Put that differently. Their bodies would die there. And they would be taken to their eternal home. But their children, their children would return. There comes that um, time in your life where you recognize that it's no longer about you. It's about the generations that come behind you. The shocking truth of of Jeremiah 29, a word of God, thus says the Lord, the word of God to his people is that they were to flourish there. They were to multiply there. Have babies, multiply, right? And I'm speaking now of physical babies, but I'm also thinking, I get a little greedy, I know, four grandkids and I'm, I'm wants more, right? I have a big confession to make. Stop me if I told you this already, but when I was a, a youth director, um, um, we teepeed one of the elders' houses. I don't, you guys know teepee, you know that concept? In the Midwest, it doesn't work as well as in Southern California. But um, we teepeed one of the elders' house, and we put a note from the pastor on the house. And we went and teepeed the pastor's house and put a note from that elder and then we just stood back and watched. It was beautiful. It was so much fun. Right? It was amazing. Um, I have to confess that um, I was tempted to write a note to Matt and Alyssa from Chelsea and Jordan saying, we're going to have another baby. And I was tempted to write a note to Chelsea and Jordan from Matt and Alyssa saying, we're going to have a, an, another baby. And then just sitting back and watching what happens, right? But I know, I know that God's plans are much more important than mine. Multiply. You're thinking, like Abraham and Sarah, you're thinking, that would be a miracle yesterday. Um, It's not just physical babies, is it? Multiply. Make disciples who make disciples. Let's populate the kingdom of God with people who are overwhelmed by his sovereign mercy and grace and who whose joy overflows to everyone around. It's so amazing. All the nations now who are actually in peril because they're not they're not keeping up with the the losses, right? There are more people dying than there are people being born. You think, well how can that be? 
Um, there's a lot of nations where that's not the issue. But most Western nations, it is. And, 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 and it's easy then to say, well, we should do our part and not multiply children, not multiply, not in the Word of God. God says, make disciples, whether you have them in your family or whether you have them um, through spiritually, through sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Make disciples. It's two shocking truths. I'm sorry, it's a cliche, but bloom where you're planted, right? Bloom where you're planted and plant things that bloom, right? Live and flourish in this world that is not our home. And and to the extent that we do that, then people in this world will see the city of God. People in this world city will be transformed. So I'm so excited with you. If you don't know our congregation well, they made courageous decisions to live into this city. The fact that where we are, where we are, was a part of that decision. And and God has just been blessing that. He has just been blessing that. So, so he has taken our baby steps of faith to move toward the city instead of away from it. He has taken our baby steps of faith to live into the city rather than to remove ourselves from it. And, and he, has, he has raised up new believers. He has, he has revealed to us people of peace in the city who are longing, who are begging for someone to come and walk alongside them. What a wonderful adventure. This is. But I want you to know that that with these shocking truths that God has sent us into exile, that God is commanding us to flourish in in exile comes an amazing, a comforting promise, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I'm going to hear that in two ways. I'm going to hear that as a body. For us as a church, but I'm going to hear that as a word to me as well. I know the plans I have for you. Help me. Plans to prosper you, right? Don't think, don't think, oh, my 401k is going to explode. No, there's there's a prosperity that transcends simple earthly systems, isn't there? There is a prosperity that transcends those things. I'm, I know the plans I have you, for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future, right? Then you will call out to me. You will call out to me. And I will hear you. I will answer you when you seek me with all your heart, wow, wow. So, so where do we go from here? Um, let's start with that comforting promise. What do we do to live into the city where God has called us? We seek Him with all our heart, right? Because He already has a vision for the city. He already has one. It's there. He's working it. He's already here, right? It's not like when you go downtown or something, you're going into a godless place. He's already there. Our job, remember that, Cheryl, from um, experiencing God? Our job is to meet him where he's already working and join him there. 
right? I'm so sorry I keep leaning over you guys. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, let's, let's seek him with all our heart. And then we won't have to wonder what the next step is. We'll know what it is because we'll be with him there, right? Seek him with all your heart. But did you, did you see? Did you see those words? They went by so fast. Pray for the city where I have placed you, right? Pray for the city. Uh, what does that look like? I just want to add one more. We have been adding, um, what do we call them? Uh, soul training exercises, right? We've been adding them little by little. Um, sharing sharing uh, your testimony, right? Uh, opening God's words, using soaps, opening God's word to to drink deep of his word for you. I want to add one to you today. Again, many of you are very familiar with it. Many of you are doing it. But it it's not, I almost said it's not just prayer. There's no such thing as just prayer. Prayer is the most powerful um, weapon in our arsenal. Those of you who can't join us because of your, your, uh, your health right now, um, oh, you're very much a part. And, and maybe, just maybe, we saw a couple weeks ago, your prayers are going to be the thing that turns the tide. Prayer's an incredible weapon, but I want to add a tool to your tool belt, and that's the, um, the, the soul training exercise of prayer walking. Prayer walking. Many of you are familiar with that. Thank you for patiently hearing it again. But for some of you, it's a brand new concept, right? to actually go and walk the place that you believe God is about to move, to go and walk there, right? Uh, we had such a phenomenal experience. That's what brought us to this place. We were prayer walking uh, around our property in uh, three miles from here up north, and and we were asking God three questions. Write these down if you're taking notes. Um, what are you doing God, right? I'm sorry, that's the second question. Second question, what are you doing? First question, what do you see, God? What do you see? That's why walking is so important. Walk the place that you believe that Jesus is just about to go. Say, God, what do you see right here, right? And then and then ask him, what are you doing, God? Third question, how can I join you in what you're doing? And then, and then as he reveals that to you, join him there. Just saw my bride in the back row back there. Hi, hon. I haven't seen her in several days. <laughs> um, join him there, right? Um, when we began prayer walking, we recognized that God has a heart for the city. And, and we were exploring, well, what, where do we engage? How do we engage? And, and, and we started to feel that God was saying, use that school across the street as the point of engagement. And so with fear and trembling, we kind of waded in there. Is that a word? Waded? We, we, you know what? We sloshed our way in there and discovered that they were longing for someone. They were overjoyed to have somebody come in. And, and it's just been a wonderful post-COVID experience to engage the people of Ogle School. And, and, and that's happening right now, by the way. Thank you. 
Thank you, those of you who came down. Uh, Vogel said we got 34, said 30, might have jumped up to 36 families that probably will not be able to have um, be able to have Thanksgiving dinner. And and so the social worker there, uh, we started jamming, saying, "What can we do?" Well, well, it could be that we just we just collect all this food and we come up. That's a lot of food baskets, right? That's a lot of stuff. Um, but but then we would just be giving handouts, right? What if we partnered with Vogel in, in meeting the needs of these 36 families? And the social worker got really excited. She said, you know what? We could have contests in the classrooms to bring, <laughs> I know who won, uh, a macaroni and cheese and cornbread won because there's still stacks of it in the gym down there, right? They went nuts and they had so much fun for two weeks. The classrooms, isn't that cool? The, the school ministering to the people of the school. And we were able to just join with what God was already doing. And, and, and I think it looked like it ended up being hams, I think. And, and, and some, and some perishable products and, and 36 families. So, I mean, there are myriad ways that God is inviting us to partner with him. But I want to invite you to join in that. Some very particular ones. We need, we need, I prefer five, but we need at least three teams of two uh, to deliver. Already people have been delivering all weekend, but we have a bunch more to deliver. If you have the ability to do that, uh, the availability and, and, and the ability, then make sure there's two of you and, and we will... Um, we will engage you in delivering these packages. Um, but there are myriad ways that you can be involved in the city. What I want to ask you to do as we close, come on up, worship team, if you would. I want to ask you to ask God for the desire to bless this city. Ask God for the desire. You might say, that's an odd way of putting it, they want you to just ask God to bless the city because for whatever reason, he uses human beings. He uses us. Now, I want to stop for a second and say, I know there's myriad ways that you guys are already doing that. God bless you. You keep doing what you're doing. But if you're just coming to that place where you realize that one of the ways God is going to transform the globe is by his cities, I invite you to join with us there. I'm praying. Prayer walk. Find a way to start small and engage in some way the city around us and then stand, stand on God's promises as we seek him, as we join him. We will find him and we will find God's purpose for our lives. Pray with me, would you? God, again, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Your power, God, is perfected not in our pride, not in our successes, not in anything of this world, but your power, God, is perfected in our weakness. So we ask you, God, take our weakness, take our our brokenness, and use it for your glory. God, use us to impact the neighborhoods around us. Use us to impact our families. Use us to impact Vogel School. Use us to impact the city for the kingdom of God. 
Lord, we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory. In Christ's precious name, amen.